Good morning. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, as our hearts, minds, and souls focus on this Remembrance Day, I pray that we would be transformed more into the likeness of Christ. To seek a more beautiful world, a more peaceful world. Help each and every one of us with our words and our thoughts and our actions. Amen. The poem we've just had read to us um, was written by King David. And David, like many lives, has ups and downs, trials, tribulations, tragedies, success, joy, redemption, forgiveness, kindness, bitterness, and everything in between. Unfortunately for him, and like many famous people and royalty, his life is played out for all of history to look at. His son was an abuser that had fallen out with most of his family. And the son is able to gather for himself a group of men who is able to overthrow his father. The son, Absalom, pursues his father, King David, with this army out into the wilderness. David is surrounded. He's surrounded by the embarrassment of his family. He's surrounded by doubt in God's plans. He's surrounded literally by men looking to kill him. He's surrounded by insecurities about his place in the world. He's surrounded by failure at the state of his own nation. He's surrounded by war. Armies loyal to him and loyal to his son. He is surrounded. And in this situation, it is so easy, though reckless to do, to look at only humanity and our situation. We should never start there, because if that's where we start, we will see both beauty and horror. And in David's circumstance, and in many of our circumstance, we only see the deformed, broken world. David has every right to look around at his situation and start there with his difficulties. Yet he doesn't. He starts by looking to heaven. He starts with something bigger and greater and superior to himself. Have a look with me at that first verse of the poem. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And by acknowledging God first, he doesn't just say, well, everything's okay now. Life doesn't just change because there's a God. But it's starting at the right place. In the midst of pain, the worst of the world, it's starting with things above, not our world. The Christian view is that there is something wrong with our world and we can't fix it ourselves. We can't start here. We have to start with God, a good God. In defeat, in struggle, in pain, we start with God above. If we start with humanity, where do we go? 
For every beautiful act of heroism, there is an act of horror. So we start with God. David's not a lunatic. He doesn't pretend that just because his eyes are fixed on God, that what around him doesn't matter. Look how he describes it in verses 2 and 3. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. And then David's about to go into this verse that begins with one thing. And we've been trying to take our eyes uh, off ourselves and our situation, one thing at a time, and fixing them on God. And David does the same. Have a look with me at verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. He's talking about a life lived gazing upon the beauty of God, basically to know God. In the midst of the ruined creation, the fallen and broken world, David says, I want to know the creator. I want to dwell in his house all the days of my life. That's what he says. Now, this is nothing to do with church. I work here. I don't want to dwell here all the days of my life. It's about gazing upon God and knowing his presence in our lives. Now, this may seem very odd for many of us. This might seem odd for people that have come to church their whole life. Lives, Because none of us have maybe thought about gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. And that's because for many of us, we're confused about what it means to be a Christian. Christianity is not about being and doing things, do this or be that, but gazing. Gazing means we've seen something. Not only gazing, but David even says seeking. It says, seek him in his temple. He's saying, I want to know the personal presence of God. The temple was this figurehead of God's personal presence within his people. And David is saying, I want what I get in the temple and I want it all the time. I want to build my life upon God, having gazed upon the beauty of the Lord. Saying something is beautiful is about responding to something you've seen. David has seen something of God's presence, faithfulness, kindness, and is responding to that. And it doesn't make the rest of the world beautiful. In fact, the Bible and Christianity are quite clear. There's often not a lot of beauty. I want to be really clear with what I'm about to say. Because I think for many people that don't do Remembrance Day is down to their lack of seeing and then responding. Because for the majority of us, we have never served and never will serve. And all we know is what we hear and see, which is true. But for many people, they miss the bigger picture or the whole picture 
And for some people, they only see part of the whole story. We know for a fact that war is an absolute horror. All wars. Especially the First World War, which is particularly on our minds today. We know it's an absolute horror. Gas! Gas! Quick, boys! An ecstasy of fumbling. Fitting the clumsy helmets just in time, but someone still was yelling out and floundering like a man in fire or lime. Dim through the misty panes and thick green light, as under a green sea I saw him drowning. In all my dreams before my helpless sight, he plunges at me, guttering, choking, drowning. If you too could pace behind the wagon that we flung him in and watch his white eyes writhing in his face, his hanging face like a devil sick of sin. If you could hear at every jolt the blood come gargling from his froth-corrupted lungs, obscene as cancer, bitter as the cud. My friend. You would not tell with such high zest to children ardent for some desperate glory, the old lie, dolce et decorum est, pro patria mori. That is the truth of what it was like. And it's what we know to be true. It is true today of the horror of men and women who serve and live in the horror of warfare. In the midst of the absolute horror of war, There is beauty in the heroism of men and women who gave their lives for our freedom. And many people don't see that. They see politics or history or nationalism. They don't see in the midst of the absolute horror of war the beauty of the heroism of men and women who gave their lives for our freedom. And so we remember. Now, it would be wrong to only talk about humanity. And there is another horror I'd like to draw your attention to this morning. Many of us have never thought about seeking or seeing God, but it is fundamentally important about what we see and what we respond to. You see, David was sure that he wasn't separated from God in the midst of trials. Paul, a New Testament writer, he goes even a step further. In the midst of all of his pain and all of his suffering, in all of his situations, this is what he writes. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because if what you are told and hear and know about Jesus, it is a horror. Not beautiful. God incarnate, God himself, sees our broken world and entered human history to fix humanity. And he did so by giving up his freedom, his rights, his body, his life for us. 
to suffer death, even death on a cross, one of the most atrocious forms of capital punishment humanity has ever conceived of. It's why the symbol of Christianity is the cross, because it is what Jesus bore for us. His death was a horror. Forget the stained glass windows. He was naked, with nails through his wrists and through his feet, having been broken, battered and abused in front of a crowd, having had his back ripped open by leather strands with bones and metal at the end, and he was left to suffocate in agony. That is a horror. And the Christian has that horror as a symbol of their faith. In the midst of that horror, there is beauty that Christ Jesus died for you and for me. It's why the Christian can sing those words that we're going to sing in a minute. How wonderful, how marvelous my soul will ever sing. Otherwise, how can a Christian sing that in the face of the horror that is at the center of their faith? Because in the midst of that horror is a beauty that is wonderful and marvelous that brings us eternal life. So, you can see Christianity as only horror. Nothing good can come from a prisoner named Jesus, nailed to a cross. Nothing good can come from this. It's foolishness. I pity the Christian who puts their hope in the horror of a crucifixion. There's no beauty, just another criminal and their punishment. Or do you see the beauty in the midst of the horror? As Jesus gives everything, as he gave it all up to allow the world to be fixed one day. For us to know that God the creator loves us as he allows us to know the tangible presence of God as we gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. In the midst of the absolute horror of war, we remember the beauty of the heroism of men and women who gave their lives for our freedom. But I ask all of us here today, What do you see when you look at the Christian symbol? In the midst of the horror of the crucifixion, do you see any beauty? That Christ Jesus, who is Lord, allows us to say with certainty that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can I invite you to stand as the band come to lead us in our final hymn, and I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us a tangible and visible sign of the love that you have for us. That it is beautiful in the midst of the horror of the crucifixion. And that all of us can consider that beauty as we gaze 
on your sacrifice. And I pray each and every one of us, no matter how we come to singing these next words, would each of us consider what the cross is and what it means. We thank you that you took our sins and our sorrows and that you made them your own. How marvelous, how wonderful is our Savior's love for us. Amen.